Hello, everyone. Um, welcome back to first season finale. We are back in Brooklyn now, and we're at Erica's apartment. We were here in the winter last. Um, and then one more detail. Adam is in Russia. Um, so we won't have him, but Erica's here. Erica, how you doing? I'm doing great. It's, uh, it's hot out. You may hear the fan blowing. Mm -hmm. And the windows are open so you can hear people across the street practicing their drums. Mm -hmm. So it's a hot August night in Brooklyn. It's, it's, it's like the city's a character. Yeah, it's, it's like the, the fifth character. Yes, it's the it's the fourth the uh, it's the fourth beetle. No, the fifth beetle. Uh, and um, we we didn't hear from you last episode. We were in Cape Cod. You were here, and you've just come back from Nantucket. Um, so, how has summer been? Um, highlights, lowlights. Uh, summer's been different. I haven't really gone on a vacation, which I usually do. I've gone on like some weekends, but a lot of people have visited me. Mm -hmm. For like the last five weeks, I feel like I've been hosting sister from Prague, friends from California. So I've been on like staycation, which yeah. I actually right now I'm like, I wish I went somewhere because <laughs> <laughs> now the school year is about to start. It's about to get really busy and I, I'm kind of sick of this place. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think, um, I think that's why going away for vacations feels so liberating as nice as it is to have people come, if they're staying with you and they've left their life behind, but you're still living your life and getting your things done, it can, um, it's not as fun for you. Yeah. There are a lot of great things in the city. And saying that, I've been to the beach like twice a week, every week. And Whoa. went yesterday, going tomorrow. Like, if I find a few hours, I've had... A lighter work week so i'm taking advantage of all the fun things to do in the city in the summer mm -hmm. but yeah i think today was the first day where i was like I I left. yeah where would you go if you well uh... i started to plan my my christmas great let's, let's hear this i want to go to africa oh uh, africa africa or somewhere <laughs> i don't know somewhere a little different and warm Okay. Can we can we go a little bit more specific? Do you have anything? You said you started planning. You must have something more specific in no, mind. No, I just, today I was like, oh man, I'm really sick of this place. Maybe I can plan a trip. I heard this Africa place. from you a couple of weeks ago. So I've, been, like, I've been, been wanting to go to Africa. My sister, who lives in Europe right now, said for Christmas we could meet somewhere. Africa's That's right. closer to her. It's yeah. further for me, but I'm ready to go. I don't know where exactly yet. You're going to go shoot a lion? Um, no. Hopefully a lion will shoot me. <laughs> That's my goal for a trip. Are you going to no. dress up like a dentist and be like, let's <laughs> yes. get your revenge? Yes. That sounds cool. I, I've i never been anywhere in Africa, sadly, nor anywhere in South America. I'm actually not that well-traveled. All my traveling happened when I was a little kid. So, But I do want to get back to Bangladesh at a certain point, especially before we have no connections left there. Mm -hmm. So hopefully next winter 2016, December 2016. We go to Bangladesh? I hope so. Yeah, that's the, that, that would be really nice. My grandma still there. We still have a house. 
all that's probably going to be gone in a couple of years. Mm-hmm. So, last chance. Um, but aside from that, I gotta say, I don't really like Cape Cod was amazing, and I like that. I'm more of a road trip kind of traveler, yeah. not much of a of a fly somewhere very far away. And um, maybe I'm a cheapskate, but I'm always like, oh, it's going to be so expensive. Yeah, it is. Except that the most expensive trip I ever went on was like a cross-country road trip. Oh, really? From Austin to San Francisco. Why was was that the most expensive? It just was... America's really expensive, so like... You can get a ticket to South America or Africa. It's not going to be very expensive. That's true. There. That's a good point. And so if you're spending two and a half weeks, three weeks driving and staying in motels and doing things within America, forget it. Yeah. 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 That, that's, that, yeah, I guess that's a good point. Uh, me and Lisa did a trip to Mexico that was very reasonably priced and awesome but it was a road trip too we like did a road trip across the country well part of the country and uh i guess i just like really being in a car so anywhere you can put me behind the uh steering wheel i'm happy yeah um yeah i just i was thinking far because i haven't been far i've been on like i've gone to nantucket a few times already this summer and that's i guess you went up to Cape Cod and it's a similar experience. It's still like love Boston accents. I yeah. listened to your you guys podcast. What did you think about Adam's strong feelings about uh I thought he made a great point about um how Boston meets everyone's anger. Yeah. Yeah, that was that was a really good point. And he should know being from New Hampshire. Mm-hmm. Um Although, <laughs> Adam's going to listen to this, so I'm going to get in trouble. But you could say that about Adam, too. You know, he needs uh, people's, not anger, maybe outrage or uh, reaction. Mm-hmm. So I think he said it partially to get a strong reaction. Um, well, just like I did fly to Boston in order to go to Nantucket one of the weekends. And um, it's 45 minutes, and then all of a sudden you're in, like, everyone talks different. Everyone's annoying. Just like what just happened in the last forty five minutes for that to Yeah. It's a little too close to to if you can drive there, if it's forty five minutes to fly there and then it's like completely different and like not as good. Yeah. Yeah. I don't recommend it. I I was in Cambridge um for at a thing at Harvard and I I was ready to hate it and I was ready to like feel that the way you just said, but I was like presently pleasantly surprised. Maybe this because of college town and all that, but it was a very um, summertime, maybe. But everyone, everyone was pretty friendly. Um, There's nothing like a buzz uh, mm-hmm. there of like you know, kind of like what you feel when you're at I used to live in Berkeley when you feel like you're on campus and you feel these yeah. young people going out and doing their things and getting things done. Young people, <laughs> I hate them. Why, why do you? Let's talk about that. Why do you hate young people? <laughs> Well, what age group are you hating? Um, I guess 22 to 28. No. So that's, that's not young people. That's younger than us, but it's not young people. It's just like this time where they, they graduate from college and they are really overwhelmed, but have no understanding of that feeling. And mm-hmm. so they act out in ways that are just so obnoxious. 
and I feel bar- I feel bad for them. I'm glad I got through it. Like I survived that time period, and that was a tough time period. Okay. Um. Yeah, it was, but that doesn't give you sympathy for. Um... No, because I I don't have sympathy for how I acted in that yeah. time period. I just spent time with a lot of people who I was very close with from that time period. I still don't have sympathy. I was reminded. I regress. Let's hope they're listening or not listening. (laughs) Uh, I I don't have have a deep connection to that time period, mostly because my college period and my post-college period were distinct periods, even though now there's a, as you know, there's a lot of my college friends in my life, but Right after college, I came to Brooklyn, and as far as I knew, I I didn't see anyone from college, nor did I get to have um, sort of like an irresponsible, I was irresponsible at that age, but I I wasn't like, sounds like you're saying, because you have this like large sort of bohemian crew in San Francisco that all went to college together and also lived together after that, right? Mm-hmm. Is that what you're talking about? Yeah. So there was like, it was college ended, but, and because you went to college in a big city, college didn't feel like college does did for me where I went to a rural town college. Yeah. The college part was the best part of it. Going to classes. Yeah, we had yeah. some direction. And um, I, uh, I teach at college and I, I love going onto the campus and see those I'm with you on a lot of that stuff. I, um, I, it's scary sometimes to me when I think about, you know, we were, I was at this uh, boot camp, this um, teacher training boot camp at Harvard, and some of the people that we met were people who were at undergrads or grad students in the university, and we also, like, you know, work with professors and all that. I might have been the same age as some of the professors. It's, it's kind of scary to mm-hmm. think. Um, and, but, you know, at the same time, I don't think of myself as old, even though I'm 35, and then I guess to a lot of people, I am kind of old. Maybe that's my privilege as a man that you never have to feel old, especially at that age. But I don't feel old. Am I scared by young people or their energy or their behavior? No. Well, yeah, I'm not so worried about the young ones. I don't know why. That's good. And I think it's a good 
way for us to approach what we're going to watch tonight. Oh, good segue. Great segue. Um, the It's a wet, hot American night in Brooklyn. <laughs> and if you have the internet, you have either watched the reboot of the amazing movie Wet Hot American Summer, the show, or have at least heard about the reboot. Yeah. It's excellent. Yes. And what's excellent about it is these old people playing uh, much younger people. And yeah. I think the joke on on what it is to be young and dumb and silly, but played by overweight, balding people, I, I think was one of the best parts of the, of the reboot. What we're going to watch tonight is many of these actors and the director, David Wayne and Michael Showater, who created Wet Hot American Summer movie and the show. Um, they started on a show called The State when they actually were very young. Yeah. And, um, and we're going to watch the first season finale of The State, which is a sketch comedy show uh, that aired on MTV in I think that's a great idea. What do you um, sort of, maybe this isn't the right term for it, but this sort of David Wayne comedic style, um, what do you feel about it? And I, you know, I'm, it makes me think because that's such a good point about the Wet Hot American Summer, the reboot, that it is one of the big jokes is that it's old, older and a lot of the established actors now mm-hmm. playing kids from sort of a cult hit um that on itself is a just sort of a big hilarious meta joke people who make fun of people that do that are doing it you know there's always these layers of irony that david wayne delivers that can you know can change how you feel about it um how do you feel about david wayne's comedy and other things that he's done um well I've been, I'll talk about Wet Hot American Summer because that's my favorite. Uh, yeah. I have. Same here, too. I, yeah, I really enjoy both. Yeah, some of his both. movies are good, but I prefer that movie and, and these shows. And um, what I like about it is how it's created a very whimsical world where, um, where it's not, like, no one's making fun of anyone. Mm. It's not like comedy that's that's like trying to expose something about someone else or anything. It's just comedy. That's just like very, uh, it's just happy. Like I just feel very like content in, in the world that they create and like believe the world that they create because it's a world that I would like to be in where terribly awful things are happening for satire reasons, but it's not going to damage anyone and they're not putting it at anyone. So older people playing the young parts, it's not like they're making fun of young people. It's not like yeah, they're saying, oh, that's a really good point. Idiots yeah. between 22 and 28. That's my problem. I'm yeah. not 
this show, though. Yeah, no, I, I, I think I think I'm catching on to what you're saying. Here's what I'm hearing is that um, they don't hate the tropes that they're making fun of, that they're satirizing, like the easy ending where, you know, everything got really complicated, but suddenly because of one little fix, everything's going to be fine. Some shows, when they make fun of that, hate it. And so they they have the character suffer mm-hmm. because that's not how the world works. And, you know, like Homer Simpson. Is, mm-hmm. it, it's it, For a while, it was clear the characters hated Homer and would inflict pain on him without educating him. They both made him ir- impossible to educate, but also so easy to hurt because it seemed to hate uh, the tropes that he was making fun of. Whereas, yeah, I think you're right. There's a, I don't know if it's love, but there's definitely a lack of this, um, the, the, the dark side of satire was where you want to bring things down. You don't want to just make fun of it. You want to hurt, you want to make fun of people that like it. You want to, you want to, yeah. Like you, how do you think David Wayne feels about TV, like old school TV that, is such a big part of the vocabulary of the shows that he's done in the movies. Are you asking me like what he's influenced by? Yeah, what do you think? Yeah, that's a I good think, question. Uh, definitely Monty Python, like the repetition. Yeah, he's a big repetition guy. And um, uh, what's his name? Uh, we just came out with the record. The musician that every UHF. Oh, uh, Weird Al. Yes. Weird Al. Wow, that was, <laughs> that was, that was painful. All right, guys. I hope you're still listening. Uh, yeah, we'll edit that part out. Um, <laughs> the part where we get the answer for <laughs> yeah. the one minute. And we'll, and we'll extend the part where I. <laughs> that would that would be what David Wayne would tell us too. Oh, but uh, I would say. I would say that style of humor more, maybe even a little bit of Mel Brooks. What What do you think you gained from Mel Brooks? I just recently watched, um, well, like Mel Brooks, his parodies are just like how much he loves uh, a certain style. And like Blazing Saddles is like a movie about making a movie. Yeah. I feel like there's so much meta in, in at least what I'm familiar with, Wet Hot American Summer of showing comedy and showing how they're making the comedy for you to enjoy it. And yeah, I think that that's, I, I, I dig it. Yeah. And if you, if you contrast that with, um, I, I don't know, Judd Apatow, I guess it's also like been like a similar, well, I guess a bigger success really because his movies have gone on to do much better. Yeah. David Wayne's movies have not really had the, Lifespan, like the last one I saw was They Come Together with Amy yeah, Poehler. Yeah, I saw that live with David Wayne, Amy Poehler, Paul Rudd. Oh, wow. And, and Zookas was there. Oh, wow. And then, I forget her name, but she just was in the Kimmy Schmidt. And they did a panel afterwards. Mm-hmm. And that movie, it wasn't great, but it wasn't, it wasn't, um, it wasn't terrible, and I'm wondering if maybe Michael Showater and I might be wrong. Maybe Michael Showater's uh, working with him brings Wet Hot American Summer a different level that David okay. Wayne alone doesn't have. Yeah, yeah. You know, like the whole 
training partners. I watched a documentary on Sunday about the making of Wet Hot American Summer. Uh huh. I highly recommend that too. It's really? on Netflix. Yeah. Why? What, because what's it's that? just like all the people from the show, uh, from the movie before they were famous, uh, like talking about the process and like little Bradley Cooper just graduated from school and is just like <laughs> so excited about being in his first movie and like they're drinking and they're just being silly and it's just and you're like a, a big nice Bradley little, like, Cooper fan are you? Yeah, American okay. Hustle is like my favorite movie. Yeah, okay. Um, I'm, I'm an Elizabeth Banks fan myself. Of course you are, she's hot. <laughs> I know that, I was just saying that to be a, to throw one for the ladies. Um, she's hot. And he's a hot too. They're they're similarly hot, and they pull off comedy with a, a considerable amount of confidence. And um, you can see why they went out to big stars. So their range is is so much wider than uh, some of the comedy only people mm-hmm. um, who can who can suddenly only react. Well, Paul Rudd, I think, might have the largest range. I just watched Clueless the same night that I watched that, and um, I wasn't sleeping well. So I watched a lot of movies on Sunday night. <laughs> and uh, Clueless, like Paul Rudd looks I didn't even know he was in that. I, I, I don't think I've seen Clueless. He's, oh my goodness. Well, you should watch that next. Yeah. Um, that movie still holds up. It's very, very good. Very well made. Okay. And um, very funny. And Paul Rudd is, looks the same. That movie yeah. came out so long ago. Okay. And now he's Ant-Man. He's still like very handsome. Have you he's seen that, man? It doesn't interest. I am, it doesn't interest me, even though I like him. I'm done with this Marvel. I'm. I'm. I think we all have to make a personal choice now to stop going to see superhero movies, or they're not going to stop. Well, I think we just lost all of our fans because all of our fans only go to see. Sorry, it's time to grow up, <laughs> Natty. I'm talking to you. I think Natty would agree with me. I think could, he, if you're talking to Natty, then we definitely lost all of our fans. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think you would agree that the superhero. I think if you are a grown man, and for a while it was cool, but now we're really like, you know, it's like that point where you're like mixing leftovers from a week ago in the hopes of like you can have a meal that isn't the same thing you had last mm-hmm. night. They're like, Ant-Man, really? I don't, I don't care. Yeah. Uh, but let's get back on track. Why don't you tell, why don't you pull up uh, what the episode is about? Well, it's a sketch show. So there won't so be any big plots. There's no plots. There's bunches. There's a bunch of sketches. Did you? Did we already name some of the people, or was that just that that was, you, you telling me before that was we recorded? Me telling you before. So, so why don't you go through some of the names that uh, people may, some of these bold faced names? Let me pick that up. Uh, we got David Wayne, Ken Marino, Michael Ian Black, Ben Garrett, Kevin Allison, Todd Holbeck. Uh, Michael Patrick Jam, Harry Kenny Silver, Thomas Lennon, Jolo Triglio, Michael Shulwater, and that's it. So this list is for the sketch troupe, and it's not just a show. It's a show that was on MTV that turned into a troupe that then toured, um, much like uh, Kids in the Hall as well. Yeah. Can I, maybe maybe I should save this criticism for later, but I'll just throw it out there as a prediction. That world is very white, though, and it, it's not just white, it's also very straight, it's very, you know, Kids in the Hall did way more stuff with gender, sexuality, and race than... Than the show you haven't seen yet? 
then the just knowing no knowing those names it's a very uh but I, maybe uh, well, I don't know. That's something not the prediction. See if the show confirms that yes. or, or that's a uh, great prediction. subverts that. Um, that time period, there was like I seem to only remember there being like black comedy shows and white comedy shows. There wasn't like a mixture of both. No, and then I may be overstating because of all, but I do you know they did the women stuff really well. They they even though they're a bunch of guys, they seem to not just have women as caricatures, but. You know, I'm sort of like as much as you can in comedy, three-dimensional people mm-hmm. that you know would would have an inner inner life. Um, and as far as race, I think just because maybe you know, in Canada it's like more yeah. brown people just like showed up on screen, or um, but maybe I'm misremembering it. But yeah, I, for what 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 the state and these guys are for a lot of people, like kids in the hall are for me. Like they're just. Maybe my my view is rose colored with some glasses because I didn't, I didn't watch this. And I remember going to college and meeting a lot of people who loved the state and yeah. told me to watch it. And maybe I even tried and I didn't get into it then, or I didn't try because I didn't care. But it was definitely you were either the state or kids in the hall, and yeah. it could be both if you were really into comedy. I didn't grow up with MTV, so I don't know how I got. Oh, but we did have Comedy Central, so maybe that was the difference. Kids in Hall was on Comedy Central. Yeah, the reruns, the the obsessive yeah. reruns that Comedy Central did, which is what I mean. That, I came to the country much later, so that's where I caught Kids in the Hall, and it was amazing. You'd you'd come home from school, and they would still be re- replaying uh, Kids in the Hall. Um, I yeah, to be honest, too, I, I the first time I watched Kids in the or What uh, Howard Marcus, I didn't like it. I didn't like the the meta comedy parts of it, it irritated me that then I watched it maybe like a year ago and I was like, maybe my comedy brain had matured or I'd become more sort of cynical or more sort of meta, but, um, I got really got into it and I, and I really liked the, uh, the redo, the reboot. Um, and, uh, just cause, yeah, it was just so interesting and, and kudos to them. Oh, that's what I wanted to say. I saw Ken Marino the other day on the street. I was walking by NYU, and he was walking by. And I was trying to remember his name. And I also watch... Yeah, I'm really into that kind of comedy, because I watch Children's Hospital. I actually yeah. like Children's Hospital, and he's like a, a big role in that. And I want to sort of like think of something to say from Children's Hospital, but I couldn't. But <laughs> he was walking uh, on Broadway, um, and uh, I was like... And the other thing is, like, someone on screen, like, maybe when you see them in public, you're like, they always look like they're on screen. They always look like they're being filmed, I guess. Mm -hmm. Um, That's like, if it gave me some pause. Anyway, who gives a shit? Um, Let's pause. And the next time you hear from us, we um, we will talk about an episode of The State from um, that whole crew of people. All right, talk to you soon. And now, a broadcast first, the Nutcracker, in a tiny, tiny room. All right. So we're back. Uh, we tried to have play a little bit of the intro, but they do, uh, I guess, a cold open, uh, where they go right into a sketch, like, Saturday Night Live. So, yeah. um, do you want to describe, uh, there's no overarching plot, but do you want to try to describe some of the sketches that they... The title of the episode is God is Dead, and it starts with a guy wearing a shirt that says God is Dead, meaning at a train platform, and there's someone dressed like a classic 
God figure with a long beard and robe, and he, he jumps when he sees the shirt. So that's like how it started, and that was the title. Um, some of the sketches, there was four or five, maybe. Uh, the first one was they were on a game show competing for orphans, but they didn't want the orphans. Instead of money or prizes, they were getting orphans, and so they're trying to lose. That one was kind of cute. Um, then a lot of a lot of costumes, a lot of yeah. wigs. Yeah. Uh, they love their blonde wig. Mm-hmm. Men dressed like women, yeah. uh, dressed like children. There's one woman on the cast. Yeah. What's her name? She's awesome. She used to be on the Reno Nine Nine One One. Um, yeah, she plays the uh, desperate. <laughs> what is this? I don't know. My computer's talking. It's closed. Ooh, right. We're gonna, gonna deal with that. Why don't I talk a little while you deal with that? That's not okay. Um, yeah, she's great. Um, Tom Lennon, who's also on here and on, he's great. But I, we thought the star was sort of Ken Marino with the, he has that big presence, he has the good looks, uh, he has a really great energy. But I guess our biggest takeaway is that, you know, this is this is sort of prehistoric stuff, which is a fledgling network and a new way to get TV, cable, MTV is putting on um, a very odd show. Nothing is proven, right? Like that music videos would be a thing that would last. MTV would go on to such success. This is before the real world, before MTV really had a big hit. This is, uh, you know, when they would get like a blockbuster video and play the crap out of it. Mm -hmm. And they didn't really have that much of the programming because it was hard to figure out what to put on this channel. It's and very, how to do it cheaply. Yeah, it's very MTV. It's very cheap and, like, trying to get just, like, kind of young, dumb people to watch it who might be drunk or stoned. Yeah, yeah, good point. And sort of like Beavis and Butthead mm-hmm. had a similar vibe, which also came out of MTV. Um, yeah, in that sense, like, you know, because they were sort of at desperate or struggling – a lot of innovation happened on MTV and at probably real world, which is probably one of the biggest innovative things that's ever happened on TV, mm-hmm. maybe came out of this uh, arena where this network didn't have a standard model. They weren't doing regular shows, nor did they have money to do like fancier things. Um, so they just really took a lot of risks mm-hmm. and you can see that. And David Wayne, I mean, to, to his credit, he's, he seems to be doing a lot with very little money. Mm-hmm. Uh, you could tell that Kids in the Hall had a lot more money being on uh, NBC yeah. uh, than um, than these guys are getting. Um, everything looks so kind of cheap. The yeah, the video quality is low. Quality's low. Costumes are low. They're also they're also kids. They're so also they're kids. Young. Yeah, they're twenty three, twenty two, and twenty four. Oh, wow. So they are falling right in that sweet spot of oh, kids you hate. Kids I hate. And yeah, they, you... were, uh, they were showing me what can be annoying about uh, people in that age. Like, look at me, look at me, trying anything for a laugh without actually thinking it through. Yeah. There were so many yeah. opportunities for them to deliver a better joke. Yeah. That they just failed to because of yeah. whatever reason. 
saying that they grew up and became intelligent, you know. <laughs> uh, there's hope. There's hope. That's why you just have to, you know, get through it. Yeah, they, uh, they, they miss a lot of jokes. They don't even seem to try. They seem to be more interested in... Maybe, you know, this is what happens when you feel like you don't have an audience. All you're trying to do is make each other laugh and you're not mm-hmm. paying attention to uh, what, what you know, what maybe an audience may want or not want. Um, it's that sort of joy that comes out of, like, I remember doing a radio show back when I was in college and the joke was, like, no one listened, kind of like this podcast. It's like, yeah. you know, and so you, like, lose your bearings for what quality is or all that and you're just, like trying to have fun and keep it going. And the jokes are often very, because of that self-referential, one of the jokes they spend way too much time on is they have a contest to have one of their audience members pay for them to get dinner. And uh, the other thing they're doing is they're making fun of MTV and and sort of MTV's hype machine. Um, they, they're sort of the, you know, they feel maybe like they're the weird kids uh, they're not the cool kids on this network. They're the weird ones. There's one sketch where they write, a, one of their characters writes a letter to Cindy Crawford, who's on House of Fashion on MTV. Um, so it's, in the beginning, but do you think David Wayne and these guys have ever left that world or are they, that world has just gotten bigger part of our culture the none of them really have been crossover stars like they can't you know um they haven't made it to any polar status where they can you know uh be in charge of a, a big uh broad comedy show they aren't uh yeah i think top bill on any romantic comedies they're more for the little like for the little people uh not the the non-popular people I remember the people who were really into it in college were people who didn't like mainstream things. Like they, they were like, I guess alt comedy or that style where they're not going to necessarily be uh, having a show on on a major network. However, they will grow into a world where Comedy Central is making better television. David Wayne has a huge. He's been. He's friends with the Broad City Girls. And yeah. Like a lot of Comedy Central shows right now. Another period. Yeah. He's on Another Period, which is a great show at Comedy Central. Definitely influenced by this this troupe because they were taking risks. It just, yeah. at a young age, taking risks looks kind of silly in retrospect. Yeah. But then they made American, American Summer that got bad reviews when it first came out. And, um, but it became a cult classic. Yeah. So I think that it was just you know, the timing and the dedication to, to make it just fit at the right time. Yeah. Do you, do you think, do you think these, right. When you, when you try to make a broad based comedy, you sort of lose your voice or lose your edge. Do you think, um, do you think there is a, um, a David Wayne or a state version of a sort of a broad comedy that would, um, uh, like be like the Parks and Rec or The Office. Or, do you think any of them could be? Yeah, could be like an NBC comedy, like a yeah. big tent comedy that, um, or even Seinfeld, which is sort of a culty hit but had a huge audience. Mm-hmm. Uh, do you think? Uh, do you think these guys could have made it if they worked on it? Or do you think they would lose what makes them, what people appreciate about them, their original audience? 
I just don't think they had the opportunity. I didn't have. I don't think they had that choice. I think they did a good job of what what opportunities they had. But they have it now, right? But they don't seem to be trying for that. Or am I wrong about that? Oh, now, yeah, I suppose they could, but I don't think that. I I think that. Like I'm impressed. Like yeah, they still make weird shows. Correspond with the way that they like yeah. comedy, so I think they're just part of, which is growing and growing. This alternative yeah. comedy. Yeah, well, like Ken Marino, like he has the he has the show Married, which mm-hmm. is a network show, and it's not really that funny. And he's also on Veronica Mars, who's great on that. Really, Ken Marino? Yeah, he's, he's on Married now. Not Married. Uh, him and that girl. It's like it's not Married. Married's on FX. Yeah, it's like. We were married or marry me. He's on Marry Me. Okay. Which is kind of a, a comedy show that's like a romantic comedy that's not necessarily weird. Yeah. You know, the this question that I'm asking, I, I sometimes wonder about that when I think of Comedy Bangman and Scott Arkerman. Like when he does his TV show, which, you know, it seems to be so purposefully bent into this weird shape. Mm-hmm. And I know, you know, he talks about sort of struggling to keep it on on uh, whatever network it's on. Um, but I feel like, you know, if he if he eased it out a little bit, it could have this sort of wide audience because oftentimes this comedy doesn't need this, like, very twisted logic weirdness just to have fun or be funny. Like, mm-hmm. Comedy Bang Bang, the radio show, isn't that. But, I, you know, I enjoy it. In fact, I enjoy it more than I the TV show. Yeah, so like why isn't there like a a more welcoming version of what these guys do even like 20 years 30 years 30 years later. Oh my god. No, yeah, 20, 20 years. years. <laughs> it make me 40. <laughs> <laughs> will happen soon enough. Yeah. When that happens, I'm going to hate a lot more. <laughs> <laughs> this will be a very different podcast at that point. We'll see about things we hate. Not things we sort of I, like. I still am the le- least bitter on this podcast. Wait, say that again? I'm s- the least bitter member of this podcast, I would say. Of, of the three of us? Of on a, over, Okay, yeah. Yeah, that's that's probably true. I Yeah, I, maybe I'm not bitter. I'm just making it argumentative and negative. Mm-hmm. Bitterness. What is, <laughs> what is bitterness? What is, what is that exactly? I don't know. I'm... I, I'm the regret, past uh, unhappiness. What is what is what is it's all of those bitterness? I see this thing, and it's one of those things that sort of gets on my nerve a little bit. You know, people say uh, there'll be like lists on Facebook where it's like um, things people regret before they pass away, and you know, like it's like oh, you should do these things because people who are really old talk about how they didn't do these things and you know here's your chance to get it right while these people get it wrong have you ever seen stuff like this i don't see those on my news feed but i'm very right. curious to know what they are this is a very common thing and it's too bad that you're the only other person here and out of it you know like it's bring motivational posters about don't live a life of regret and this is, so this is a common thing. So one argument is you take things that old people say now about what they regret most in life and you try to fight against it. You like one common thing is, you know, I should have spent more time with my family and blah, blah, blah. But 
there's a flip side to that, which is trying to live a life without regret is exhausting. To do this thing where you're like, I am. I know that mistakes are getting made right now, mm-hmm. and I'm going to look back and be unhappy about them. So I'm going to work extra hard to fight that. That yeah. seems dumb too. That seems terrible. That seems terrible too. To be to be to be so fearful of regret mm-hmm. that you're running around like a chicken with head cut off, trying to like you know live every day to the fullest nonsense, mm-hmm. or hang out with your terrible kids or your terrible family. Um, sorry, this this was no. I- I don't know if you connect with it because it sounds like you haven't seen this kind of stuff. I haven't seen it, but I like what you're saying. <laughs> and it reminds me of my favorite joke from um, Family Ties, Egret's Regret, the documentary that he made. <laughs> <laughs> that I is still, an amazing callback. I still want to know what the Egret's Regret is <laughs> to this day. Put <laughs> a picture of it. You can find it on our wall. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Wow. Wow. That is a... Uh, that takes me back <laughs> to the to the beginning of our podcast. <laughs> oh, about any regrets? <laughs> <laughs> well, here here's here's maybe a gift that I have. I I don't I can't remember things very well. Mm-hmm. And I and I and I think it's both good and bad. The the bad side is, you know, this little joyful little thing. If you hadn't said regrets, I don't think I would know that. Mm-hmm. Um. But on the good side, I think is I, I do feel like I am I am allowed a life without regret because I don't have this weight of memory on me all the time. Mm-hmm. I often forget the good and the bad. Um, mm-hmm. You know, I'm like a I'm like a tree. It's not but, in enough therapy. That's the problem. <laughs> to fill me up with regret, <laughs> to examine the past. I've been in therapy. I I I, I enjoyed therapy? it. This is kind of therapy, right? Now our podcast is becoming meta. Yeah. Do you think, yeah, do, what would, is Comedy Bang Bang the David Wayne version of a podcast? Like, is that the subversion of the form that... I don't, you keep saying, like, the David Wayne. I feel David like the whole... all are just, like, very, they're all coming from the same place, which is just, like, challenging the regular uh, comedy rules, which I think should be challenged to this day. I hate that third act where everything is going downhill. I can't wait till the fourth act to know if it's going to be resolved. It stresses me out. It makes me sad. I get scared because I really have no faith that the fourth act will come and the fight will be made up or people will forgive. Like, And that is the comedy trope that that plot, you know, plot development that should be challenged, in my opinion. Well, now you're not. Now the you're fourth not. act doesn't always come. That's all I'm saying. Well, except it always does, isn't it? On TV. But where doesn't that show up? Right here in life. In life, okay. Yeah, so you're not. You're not just challenging. You're not just advocating. Advocating a challenge. Oh, this if is I really fascinating. To it, this is really fascinating. It, it's not gonna be funny. Yeah. So. Okay, so let, let's let's parse this out a little bit. You're saying. Because life doesn't follow a very neat arc that shows follow, mm-hmm. we should encourage narrative forms that also try to subvert the idea that everything will be okay. Wait, we should subvert that? Yeah. Yes. Okay. Because, and the reason for it is because life doesn't have that neatness to it. Yes. We can't learn... 
we can't learn about regrets if there's going to be a fourth act where we don't have the regrets. Yeah, but I don't, I think that's, I don't know if that's giving these guys too much credit. I don't think, I think they recognize that, the bad life, that it doesn't have that. But instead, I think they're busy making fun of things that try to show that. Well, yeah, this is just one show that came out in 93 on MTV starring 23-year-olds. But I would say when American Summer... has gone, Yeah, it's so much better than it's ever been, in my opinion. Yeah, right you're absolutely of right. all of the choices that these guys and other guys yeah. are making. Yeah, well, yeah. Yeah, I, I, I'm with you there um, without getting too high-minded because nothing like high-minded comedy... Like, this is for me. This is the comedy I like. So I'm not yeah. trying to make it for everyone. I connect more with like Louie or comedians who are showing a side where there isn't going to be a, a resolutional fourth act. Yeah. And then I was like about to say Louie because I'm, I'm the high-minded version I'm a little exhausted by to show that there isn't any closure on life. Mm-hmm. I was just thinking about the other day like I don't really care that Louis is not coming back for a couple of years. Yeah. Um, just because it's just the, the demands the show makes on you has just gotten a little bit unreasonable for what is essentially just like one man's like pet project. You know, like mm-hmm. it's not like there's amazing actors in there mm-hmm. who I have to catch. And I'm just maybe a little exhausted by inhabiting his world. Yeah. I don't think Wet Hot American Summer 2 has like, really done anything where it's... And that's what I started off saying. It's, it's not depressing to watch Wet Hot American Summer. Yeah. It's, like, exploring the fun things that also yeah. make us laugh that's in life without making us feel, oh, no, we might lose that. They're in a fight. Oh, no, they got it back. Like, manipulating our emotions so that we feel happy. They're just kind of showing and expressing things that are fun to look at. Yeah, then they're not trying to be anything higher than having fun making fun of cheap thrills kind of thing Mm -hmm. um yeah and you know and i think that's sort of um why it's so appealing now where you know we've had so much louis mark you know mark marinus stuff where you have to think so deeply and feel Sorry to keep talking about Kyrie Bang Bang, but it always little cracks me up how how upset he is about Mark Maron and how it doesn't get he doesn't get the same ratings and how serious it is. So and, why don't you end with how upset you are with another podcast right now? What's your Mark Maron equivalent? I don't know. Well, I say Mark Maron. <laughs> 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 it's a terrible. You're aiming. I know. I can't. I can't listen to. It. I can't. I can listen to it if I like the other guests, but I don't go searching for it ever. And it slightly baffles me that it's the, the biggest podcast by far. Um, yeah, sorry. We're getting a little too self-referential to our world of podcasts. Um, so mi- yeah, we should I tie it all together now. I think that the state is it's fun. It's not a. It's not my favorite personally, but there's nothing. It was just kind of dated. Yeah. A little boring with its datedness. Yeah, yeah. It doesn't start the test of time really well. They did clearly didn't have the resources, and they maybe they were better, more interested in writing, but the writing just isn't there. Uh, they couldn't deliver it. 
Um, so there's no reason to go watch it unless you really want to see these uh, awesome comedic actors being performers, writers being 20-somethings, uh, an age you may hate as much as Erica does. But it's it's so impressive that it got made that that what was an experimental network and what was an experimental show has gone on to have so much success. It's a real testament to um, sort of working hard, plugging away, and you know, being that twenty-two-year-old where you just you don't know if it's going to get better, but you hope that it's going to get better, and and, what, it and it get does better. get better. That's the weird thing. You turn twenty-eight, and, and suddenly just, you don't hate yourself. Yeah. Yeah. It gets better. <laughs> yeah, where's that episode, Louie? Huh? huh? All, yeah. right. all right. Uh, it's nice chatting with you. Next time, hopefully, all three of us will be together. Won't that be fun? And it will probably be late summer, early fall. Yeah. So, hope you guys are having a good summer. Um, Catch a wave. <gasps> Dude, we have to go on a little bit longer because you have to tell us about summer. No. No? No. Oh, man. All right. Well, listeners, <laughs> I'm so sorry. Uh, Erica is holding out I on us. I hung out with my favorite uh, podcaster, Howard Kramer, after his show. Uh-huh. And we had an excellent time. He taught me to have a summer. I gave him a drawing. He gave a shout out to me and who charted. So, you know what? I'm going to shout out on ours. <laughs> there you go. It's nice hanging with you, Howard. Yeah, and I was at the... I didn't hang out with the Howard after the show, but I was at the show. And that was a weird, wild time. That was great. I haven't seen a show like that. I was actually, last night, decided that was my favorite night of the summer. Wow. It was just a magical night. I also, like, saw a raccoon afterwards. It was was great. (laughs) These are the things that make a magical night for me. That is so wonderful. Uh, That's a great note to end on. Hopefully your summer (laughs) hits that high bar that Erica has sent and... uh, Shout out to uh, Howard Kramer for being such a, you know, so nice to his fans. And um, yeah, thank you all and uh, hope to talk to you guys soon. Bye.